Hey everybody, welcome to part two of the Tasting Anarchy Christmas Extravaganza. Tasting Anarchy, your wine and liberty podcast. Join Mason and Jake each week as they try new wines and discover how much government is in your drink. All right, welcome to this segment of the Tasting Anarchy Christmas episode. Yeah. This is our first Christmas guest, Lev, who's had uh, me on his fantastic live stream, uh, the BTR live stream, Break the Rules, on YouTube. Uh, it's multiple times per week, so I'm always behind, but it is always a good time and always fun to listen to. So, Lev, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Thank you so much, Jacob. My name is uh, Lev Polyakov, and uh, I'm the uh, co-host of uh, Break the Rules, and uh, you can easily find it by going to breaktherules.tv. Breaktherules.tv, that leads you right to the YouTube channel. Please subscribe, and you're going to love all our stuff. Jacob, I, I think you're uh, now a frequent guest. Like I'd say, you're a BTR regular. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I've been on three or four episodes, and, and I always try at to, I, you've invited me actually the last couple of weeks. I've been super busy, but um, I always try to at least stop by for an hour or so whenever you guys have one of your long streams. It is it is good. I like everybody who's on it, and um, it, it's just a lot of fun. It's a great it's a great show. Thank you. Well, we attract a lot of different people to the show. Last time we had on uh, uh, one of uh, Pete Buttigieg's uh, campaign people, and we were talking about the Great Reset, and there were a lot of very anti-establishment people like we have on a lot of times that we're yeah. talking with her. And when else would somebody like that really get a chance to uh, talk uh, with somebody who would, let's say, be, you know, like people talk about QAnon, stuff like that, but that's all very boomer tier, you know? Like, we're right. talking about people who have, uh, you know, put in a lot more time into dissecting a lot of the problems that they're seeing with whatever's going on right now, yet they never really have a chance to speak truth to power, so to speak. I wouldn't necessarily say that she is quote unquote power. You know, she is a pundit herself and uh, she puts out uh, di different, different kinds of information out there, but she lives in a very particular kind of industry. Like she is in Washington, DC. She is in a way a part of the swamp in that way. So it's very rare that she would get a chance to talk to like the people who are, uh, you know, we get a lot of people who kind of grew up on 4chan culture, you know, not right. so much uh, Reddit culture. Like, I'm not sure uh, the exact difference between the two other than in Reddit, the focus is much more on, uh, you know, representing yourself by your username and getting this karma. And a lot of it comes from things that people happen to agree upon, because if you have the right opinion, you're going to get more points. While on yeah. 4chan, it's the complete opposite, where the focus is on being anonymous. So it's going to be the more out there, the more controversial opinions that would kind of uh, stoke the fires. And uh, those will not that they're the right ones, but I'm just saying those are the ones that will be seen by everybody. And those, I think, are the ones that are kind of resonating, whether they're just um, kidding around or not. They're still resonating within the subconscious of all the people who visit slice like sites like that. And uh I've also kind of grown up on 4chan culture. Like, I know this is all about Christmas, but I think that 4chan, <laughs> I think that 4chan, you know, like, uh, it is a present to all the people who otherwise would not really be able to have a voice today because, you know, they're not going to be represented by either of the, uh, you know, 
whether it's Fox News or whether it's MSNBC or whatever, they're not really going to be represented by that crowd. And they're not going to be represented by the Reddit crowd, by the much more, let's say, woke, corporatized uh, structure that's currently being built up right now among the quote unquote online influencers. And sure, you could say that, that you know, they're not all about politics, obviously. Like, I'm sure, you know, like I'm a big fan of uh, Sonic the Hedgehog and Chris Chan for some reason. I don't know why I like Chris, Ch- like Chris Chan lore so, mu- so much or Christery as they call it. But, uh, you know, it is something that people occupy their times with other than the politics stuff. And I think even stuff like Chris Chan speaks to some lore that people want to make that's much more interesting than whatever stuff is, you know, being piled onto them by these quote unquote influencers. You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think I do. And, and I think one of the things that I appreciate about your show is that I'm very much not in that culture, in the 4chan culture. And, um, you and Geo and a number and um, Hero and a number of the other people on the show have taken the time when I'm on the show for me to go. Wait a second, I don't know what you're talking about. Can you explain <laughs> what that is? And uh, because I think like Mason, although Lev, you you're you're roughly the same age I think as Mason and I, but um, Mason and I, I think probably did kind of more come from my Reddit. Maybe Mason, you have a little bit more of like the 4chan knowledge than I do, but Reddit was real popular when you and I first started hanging out. Yeah, but I. I- it wasn't actually that popular when we first started hanging out. Like I, I think 4chan is classic internet, like where it's the anatomy of the internet. Whereas yeah. Reddit is like this weird try. It's like a try to bring the, the 4chaners to Facebook without the like constant, like, Oh, you're putting in your real name anymore. You know what I right. mean? Like where like Reddit, well, it's like that, but like, even then, well, like- but also kind of one of the things that I've noticed about Reddit, and I, Mason, maybe and this is actually an interesting topic, but we'll get into Christmas in a moment. But um, <laughs> Reddit has a Christmas thing. No, just, that's true. It yeah. does. Well, you know, the two the two uh, like Reddits or the subreddits that I was pretty active in, I got sort of chased out of because of politics, which is kind of frustrating because they were political threads. One was about dreaming mm-hmm. uh, and lucid dreaming, and the other one was about Shiba Inus. And those, and you know, I have Shiba Inu dogs, and like that's what I'm obsessed with. But like the the post became increasingly political in both subreddits. Yeah, and, and I was just like, I just want to talk about my cute dogs, <laughs> or like <laughs> what I lucid dreamed the other day, <laughs> like those yeah. kind of things. It's actually <laughs> funny you mention that because I lucid dreamed, well, not lucid dreamed, but pretty close to. It was very realistic. A dream I had a couple of days ago where I was in Japan. And there were Shiba Inu dogs in Japan, and I had this realization that I'm able to control reality. So it's oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Right, I've got two, I've got two Shivas, and I'm obsessed with them. So I wanted to talk about them on on Reddit. And how, I, how did I've it get also, political? Well, with the with the with the Shiba one, I don't know who it was because they're presumably a Shiba owner, but they kept getting in about like. Um, government money being diverted to dog shelters and stuff, which I was like, I mean, maybe I, I don't really know one way or the other, but like, I don't want to like, and it was on every single post. Like I would be like, here's a cute picture of my, we got a new Shiba last year. So, or actually, yeah, last year, mm-hmm. uh, a year ago. So like I po- I had these pictures of it. Well, first of all, they chased me out a little bit because they were like, I don't like the breeder that you got your Shiba from. I was like, well, fuck you. <laughs> like, I don't, like, I was like, I like my dog. But then, like, the other one was they were like, uh, like, they would just come in on this thread all the time about money being diverted to dog shelters from the government. And I was just, I was like, I feel, I mean, I'm like, I'm an anarchist. So I was like, I feel sort of like I need to be involved in this conversation. But I also, 
didn't come to this area for this. I came to this area to share pictures of my dogs and people to go, oh, that's super cute. And then when they share pictures of their dogs, I go, oh, that's super cute because we all are obsessed with Shiba's. Um, and it just, it, it stopped being that. And then in the dream one, uh, it, this actually, the dream one, I got chased out of them in 2016, almost, uh, I, I kind of go back once in a while and it's not as bad as it used to be, but it became so political anti-Trump, uh, and it was never really related to dreaming. So, or like, or people would be like, oh, I had a dream the other night that Trump became president and I was like horrified, woke up crying and stuff. And I was like, you didn't have that dream. Or, or if you did, <laughs> then you're, you've got some sort of mental issue. Like, <laughs> like it, it's that, that's not what's going on. And also it's not what the thread was about. Like a lot of it was, there was a guy, this was many years ago. He wrote a book called one, two, three dreaming, which was uh, really good, I thought, actually. And it goes through a lot of different things. And then also a lot of discussion of another one called um, – uh, oh, man, I can't remember what it's called. But it was – it was uh, I think it's called Dreaming Yourself Awake and um, some, something along those lines. And it was one of the first books that I read that was very basic and simple that went through all – in a very basic and simple way, went through all the scientific evidence for lucid dreaming and uh, scientific techniques. And because they are able to – uh, see like when people and actually this is funny Lev is because you're into dreaming and I'm into dreaming and Mason doesn't dream very much <laughs> and um, we almost this show was almost about dreaming the tasting anarchy show um, it was uh. it was it was gonna be just me t- we did a couple of episodes I think two episodes yeah something like that and uh, where like I basically read him a dream because I have dream journals going back 10 or 15 years Nice. And um, I would read him a dream and then like tell him my interpretation. And he'd be like, I have no way to empathize with your experience. (laughs) (laughs) I have no context for this dreaming thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What are we talking about? No, I know exactly what you mean. I have a dream diary that I started in 2016. I'm up to around uh, 200 pages now, I think. That's that's excellent. Yeah, it is. It's it's very rewarding to record those, and I I always feel not sorry for Mason. But uh, although you've been rem- remembering dreams a little bit more lately, yeah, like uh, there's been more that's come up. But like, yeah, that's that's the thing that I found about Reddit is it's like classic big tech where yeah, there's just so much like like on the libertarian thread where it's like people talking about stuff that's not really libertarian or like the science thread where they're like, well, if we did this with like health insurance and funding, we'd be more like these people. And it's like, yeah, they have worse results in health insurance than we do. Like, okay. So you reduce the cost, but the insurance, the healthcare is worse. Like what's yeah. like, and yeah. And it goes, it, yeah, they, they, it, it, it always, it sort of diverges from the, the subreddit. And then the people who moderate it tend to be, I mean, you know, it's it's usually left leaning, but I, I well, it, it almost always is because I, I think the the Donald dot win got kicked off, and they end up going to um or the Donald yeah got kicked off, and they went they went to Donald dot win, um which actually is kind of an interesting thing. But anyways, speaking of Christmas. Reddit, <laughs> and uh, they have a Christmas thread. They do, and um, one of the, now we've had ten minutes of uh, complaining a little bit, but now <laughs> now we can get into this. Uh, Lev, you are from Eastern Europe. I'm not sure how I am. I'm from uh, so I'm from Saint Petersburg, Russia, and uh, I was born there. I uh, came to America when I was about uh, four years old, and uh, we had Christmas there. I remember 
Christmas lights. In fact, one of the things that I wanted to introduce into this, it's funny that we were talking about uh, lucid dreaming right now, because what I want to talk about actually also has to do with dreaming. Specifically, it has to do with a game about dreaming called okay. Nights into Dreams. So, okay. well, before I get into Nights into Dreams, first I want to say something about Russia. So in Russia, as you know, it's like a uh, the USSR was a very, you know, atheist type uh, you know like uh, we grew up in the jewish family but we also had a christmas tree you know because christmas you know everybody could celebrate christmas you know it's like yeah. you don't need to be that religious about it you put a tree on you put some presents on the floor and we had these beautiful glowing lights and i can't remember if this is a memory that i had from the soviet union or a memory that i had from when we first got to america but it was so beautiful i remember when the lights were when the lights were turned off and only the christmas lights were on you looked up in the darkness, you looked up at the ceiling and you saw this illumination of these Christmas lights just creating like this astral aurora borealis type effect. And it was it was incredible. And I realized that again around 2015 when I got really high, I used to uh, do a lot of uh, cannabis. I used to vaporize a lot of the cannabis right before I went to the gym. And mm -hmm. what it got me into was this state where I was able to remember certain memories that were just completely out of my head for years and years and years, including this magical feeling that I got when I was looking at these Christmas lights. But the memory itself was almost like um, it almost was not of this world. In other words, it may have had certain things that were part of that experience I had as a child, but it felt even more so. It felt like it was a combination of all the different Christmas cheer type memories that I've experienced or that my spirit is somehow connected to that were just hitting me right there. And I feel like all the decorations, all the things we have around this is a way for us to be able to interface with and get into this very concentrated spirit of Christmas cheer and nights in the dreams, the Christmas, uh, the Christmas nights in the dreams. That was something that also encapsulates this. So just a quick summary of Nights in the Dreams for those who don't know. It was a game that was made for the Sega Saturn back around uh, 1996 and around 95, I believe, that's when they put out the Christmas Nights demo. It was, uh, you know, just one level you could play as the two characters, just like in the original Nights in the Dreams. And uh, the game involves you playing as a boy or a girl going into a level and uh, it's 3D but it's stuck on a particular track. So you have to collect these things called ideas and originally start up with one idea. And there's this like evil boss man called uh, Wiseman and he wants to get all the ideas. So you basically have to take the ideas from him that are located in these idea captures by collecting, you know, some orbs, you know, just some standard. Uh, I'm not sure if you could say that this is a platformer because there aren't any platforms. But it's just like a, one of those games with a timer. You collect stuff. You bring stuff back to the central location. And uh, the point, though, isn't any of this because this is all game stuff, which is something that you could look into on your own time. The more important thing for me was the visualizations and the levels themselves in Nights in the Dreams and also in Christmas Nights. Because in Christmas Nights, the plot of the game is that the star from the top of the Christmas tree is missing in the city. And you play as either Elliot or Clarice. I don't know, Clarice or Clarice. Clarice from Silence of the Lambs. Anyway, you play as either of these two <laughs> kids who end up uh, meeting each other in the city. And then they go to sleep. And uh, when they have a dream, 
they can become knights. And knights is this androgynous DMT elf kind of jester figure. And a lot of this stuff was also influenced a lot by Carl Jung and uh, Sigmund Freud and a lot of the, uh, you know, dream specialists, uh, Sega, Sonic team in particular. They were the ones who were working on it. They read there, up there, a lot about uh, how dreams there, work. There, wasn't there one of these that was on uh, Dreamcast? Because I kind of I, I looked at the character and the character. What's that? That's what he's talking about. This, this was a Dreamcast game. It was not. No, it was not a Dreamcast game, but it was on the Dreamcast oh, no, on sorry, Sonic yeah, Adventure. Right. Yeah. Okay, I I I remember getting a uh, my friend getting a Dreamcast and going here. I just remember this character that's in the he was in there, but he was in Sonic okay. Adventure as a cameo when you played the got pinball it. game in the casino. That's when you saw Knights. Okay, 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 got it. But yeah, so Knights, he's this purple gesture. You, as a boy or a girl, become this androgynous purple gesture. You go around the level, and then you fight the nightmare boss, which in the demo was just like one boss, the Dragon Gilwing. And it was just like this big puffy looking dragon that you had to uh, kill in order for the star to be free to go back to the Christmas tree in the real world. And that's, that's cool. Uh, yeah. And it's that so beautiful. Really good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds really excellent. Mason, do you remember this? You were kind of more of a gamer than me. Yeah. So I had a friend who had uh, the Saturn and had knights. Um, and we never knew what the hell was going on (laughs) and never never, like, and that's the thing is like listening to it, like as an adult, it like makes way more sense. But like, as a kid, you know, we were just trying to get in there and play and it's like, Oh, don't know. Neither of us had any idea what was going on ever. (laughs) It's a very trippy looking game. Like it really is one of those games that people would just say like, Oh man, what were they smoking when they made that man? (laughs) Although in Japan drugs are highly illegal. So I doubt they were smoking anything unless they were, in California at the time. But no, it was such a beautiful game. The visuals were just some of the best visuals I've ever seen, not in terms of graphics, but just in terms of what they were able to put in there. The sky, like, up is the same as down. So it's like a mirror world. So, like, there are mountains in the sky and there are mountains below that, like, reflect the the mountains. You, you, you understand what I'm saying, right? Like, it's a mirror reflection as above, so below kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That, that's that, that's actually very interesting. I, now, now I kind of want to go back and see this game because um, I have a vague recollection of it. From uh, shout out to Chris Valentine, who was the only kid I knew that had a Dreamcast, and uh, I remember I, I like I vaguely re- he also had a, a Sega CD and a Sega Saturn, I think. Uh, and I remember he was the only person I think I knew that had these games, but I do vaguely recall it. It was the underdog of the video game world. You know, my friends all had PlayStations and Nintendo 64s, and I was yeah. stuck with the Sega Saturn. You know, that was that was the only <laughs> one that I had. And it did not have a lot of games on it, but that game, I'm telling you, like, it was something, it was something special. And the distillation yeah. of the Christmas cheer, what I mean by that is, like, if you think about Christmas, it's usually cold, snow, you know, snows around everywhere. And it, you know, unlike in summertime or the fall or whatever, when it feels nice to be outside, it doesn't feel that good to be outside unless you do the Wim Hof method all the time like me. But anyway, yeah, right, right. It's, uh, <laughs> it's not supposed to feel good. It's supposed to feel like uh, there is an absence. There is an absence of life and there is an absence of life. All the trees die. All the uh, bugs. I don't know if they die or they just freeze and then they get thawed out. But anyway, it's an absence of life. Same thing like in mythology, it's supposed to be when, uh, what's her name, goes into the underworld, Persephone. When Persephone goes into the underworld and she spends some time with Hades, and then she comes back during the springtime and summer and so forth. But uh, this time of death 
is also the time when all the lights are out and you see this illumination. Right. I consider yep. light to be in a way what all of us are, are. We are all light. We are all God, however you want to say it, fragments of God. And so you see this represented in all these different Christmas lights everywhere on the trees, on the buildings, everybody at a time of darkness and a time of death is trying to illuminate things as much as they can to kind of make up for it. Which is why I don't think they should have... Okay, I mean, I'm sorry. I know you live in Texas, but I don't think it's the same. You know, like having the lights in an area which isn't that cold. No, it's it's not cold. Uh, I was actually outside today in my t-shirt raking up leaves because uh, it did get cold enough, I guess, for the leaves to fall. But it was yesterday it was 84 <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we were out, I was out raking up leaves and it, I, I've been talking to Mason about, uh, I was like, man, it's like 84. So it's like warm enough for my, to swim, except for my pool is cold. Cause it gets cold at night. Uh, so I, I was like, I'm going to build, I'm going to build a water heater so I can like heat up the pool. And I've been watching videos on, uh, on YouTube <laughs> about how to do that. But I'm like, I, I can, I can honestly imagine myself if I can get the water heater going, uh, well enough is uh, I can honestly imagine going out during Christmas and swimming in the pool because it, it really isn't that cold here. Uh, we would have a very different Christmas, although we would have, we have the lights. And, and actually one of the things that's very depressing to me uh, in the winter is that it gets dark at like five thirty. 30. Uh, I find that to be like incredibly depressing, but uh, a lot of people really like that kind of fall and winter spirit where the, the nights are long and days are short. And, um, and, and, you know, and, and sort of to your point to some degree or whatever, the, the long nights does give a, um, a sense of mystery and, uh, uh, mischief and sort of those, um, kind of a sense of the unknown for a certain amount of time. It does kind of call back a little bit to like the, you know, primitive nature of man, but, uh, I'm I'm definitely a warm weather, long days type of person. <laughs> you <laughs> but, are uh, you are a summer child, in other words. I am. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I I, I, I mean, I was born in April. Uh, I well, actually, this is this is a whole another weird biological sort of uh, offshoot or whatever. I don't sweat very much at all, and I I um, attribute this to I I don't know if this is true or apocryphal, but I do remember reading that children develop their sweat glands uh, when they're when they're babies. And that they're not born with a lot of sweat glands. And um, those sweat glands are developed over their infancy. And if you spent a large amount of your infancy in air-conditioned environments, you do not sweat as much. Um, and so then you you tend to enjoy warm weather more um, if it's not like detrimental warm weather, but because you're not you know soaking your clothes and all that sort of stuff. And uh, I was born in California, Southern California, and then was transferred up to Northern California when I was an infant and spent, I think my entire infancy in heavily air conditioned environments, very American. Uh, and I barely sweat at all, especially compared to like my dad who he and I are very similar builds. And um, my dad just during summer, he steps outside for three minutes and he's just dripping in sweat. And for <laughs> me, it's like, I, it can be, it can be 105 degrees and I'm walking around fine, like no sweat, um, maybe a little bit on my brow and I wipe it off and go, Ooh, boy, it's hot. And, uh, <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, I, I, that's one of the, I think that just the warm weather, I like it a lot. Uh, I do love to swim too. And I think that's kind of, um, sort of how I wish it, but I do also sort of understand what you're saying 
and I do miss this a little bit being down here in Texas compared to Northern California is there is really, although we did have the leaves fall off and stuff like that, but it was, it was instant. It was like, there was no, Oh, look at these beautiful fall colors on all the trees and the leaves yeah. fall, you know, slowly fall down like in Northern California here. It's just, it, I, I went actually, I went to California for three or four or how long was I there? Uh, five days, I guess I went to California to visit my grandmother and I came back and my yard was like three feet deep in leaves. But when I left, everything was green. So it was like this just – that's our fall. It's like five days. <laughs> and uh, It's like that so, uh, King of the Hill episode, if you remember that one, where it just yeah. started snowing just a bit and then there was a whole emergency and Hag Hill had to get on the truck and uh, everybody was so excited at the office because finally they were going to prepare all the propane tanks for everyone. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that, that is exactly like that. And this is actually the area – of King of the Hill is I live in Arlington, but Garland. Uh, so Arlington, Arlen, Texas, which is where King of the Hill lives is a combination of Arlington and Garland. Ah, uh, so, so Garland is on the East side of Dallas and Ar- Arlington, which is where I live is on the West side of Dallas. And, um, it's a combination of those two. So it's just a big suburban kind of urban sprawl kind of thing. So do you uh, do a similar thing like in King of the Hill where you uh, stand with your buddies and drink beer and say, yep, all the time? Uh, well, we stand by the pool and drink beers and say, yep. So <laughs> very, very much pool culture here. Yeah. Good. And uh, do, you have a, do you have a kind of pool that you like to uh, do exercises in or is it just chilling out? No, it's, it, I do have my pool is exactly one half the length of a standard recreational pool. So it so one so I don't push off the edge and I just swim back and forth, and uh, that so two laps is one full lap of a standard pool. Interesting. And there was a level in Nights in the Dreams. Back to that again, uh, yeah. called Splash Garden, which was full of pools and all these bubbles that you can go into. And Nights even turned into a uh, like he turned into a mermaid at a certain point where he started swimming under uh, like under under this water bubble through all these uh, beautiful looking tunnels. But the thing with Nights in the Dreams with that star is that since the star was missing and the kids had to find it. To me, that meant that I think the star is missing in a lot of people's lives today just to bring it into like the modern, the modern condition. Like when you think about what exactly is that star, like it's supposed to be like an angel, you know, that angel that was uh, on top, uh, you know, shining down for the three wise men. Yeah. Yeah. For fear not, fear not for behold. Exactly. Good news. Yeah, exactly. But also when you think of five pointed star, that shape is something that can be seen in meditation. For those yeah. who uh, are big BTR listeners, they know how much I am into a lot of this uh, self-discovery through the process of meditation, breathing techniques, yada, yada. And one of the things that I see in the center, as people call it the third eye, is a shining light in the center that sometimes manifests itself as a five-pointed shining star. And it is exactly the same five-pointed geometric shape that you would find like if you would search for five-pointed star online. It is exactly the same, and it is that same shape that we would see on top of the Christmas tree. And to me, what that also means is it's the third eye, it's the link to the divine, and it is also something that is in the far top of the cone. Because when you think of a Christmas tree, it is a cone-shaped structure usually, right? And it has presence below it. A cone shape is something that you would also see during meditation, where the periphery, 
would be the circle. And the circle keeps spinning around and around. And to me, that symbolizes the process of uh, the uh, cycle of life, birth, death, so on and so forth. And as you go deeper into the perspective, you go into the spot right in the center, like I mentioned before. And you could see this pretty much all the time. Like if right now, Jacob, if you're not staring at the computer monitor, but you would just look anywhere, you would see all perspective lines that end up meeting right in the center, right where we have the uh, horizontal line right in the center there. That would be where all the lines end up meeting at. And that is exactly where you would see the third eye. And to me, that kind of shape, it's like a tunnel. It's like a cone. And it is the same cone that is a, that is represented by the Christmas tree, which would have the star right on top, which would be the star of enlightenment, the star of meeting with the divine, the star of like, uh, I, I don't know what else to put in here. But the idea here is that yeah. I think all these different traditions that we have speak to a uh, speak to a higher purpose. Well, that's, that's similar to uh, like when you do um, when you and Mason, if you want to chime in at any point, you may because we're about to get into my weird stuff. Uh, and is which, Mason is he a Freemason by any chance? <laughs> no, my dad was, but not uh, when I was named. Oh, okay. So, uh, well, the in uh, astral projection from like dream and meditation practice or whatever, you have that sort of same thing where it's the is um, a lot of times they describe it as like pulling a rope forward, but the perspective that you're visualizing from your third eye is that you're reaching kind of out into sort of a, a cone, sort of apex forward that there's a rope that attaches to your third eye or the um the crown of your head and that you're mentally pulling your your essence out of your physical body and into the astral existence so um it, it, a lot of what you're saying is kind of that same or it reminds me a lot of that where or 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 even like the the mushroom cap or you know with the uh, which does also play a lot into Christmas is the the red and white mushroom cap, uh, which is a delirium type of mushroom, not necessarily a a psychedelic mushroom, but it does sort of have that cone shape or maybe a dome um, that is uh, supposed to kind of alter your consciousness into another realm. Exactly. And when it comes to all these experiences, I want to emphasize that people should be careful in attempting uh, some of them, especially like the ones with all the breathing, because yeah. this is a very delicate uh, system that we have. Most people who have never done it before, you know, like, I don't know, I'm at the stage right now. I'm not sure what's going to happen, but I have like a really big diaphragm, which I showed off in a recent uh, episode of BTR. It looks yeah. like a pregnant woman's stomach, just like when it when it jots out like that. But anyway, like back to the Christmas thing here. I really do think it's about in the darkness trying to churn out as much light, as much holly jolly energy as possible, and that to me is what uh what Christmas is all about. Yeah, well, I, I think that I think so too. And also, you know, speaking of the diaphragm, is get it if you want a very robust laugh, you expand your diaphragm and ho ho ho. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You know, uh, uh, so you grew up though in, in the, in more of a Jewish tradition in Eastern Europe. Uh, but you know, it's a very sec- secular environment, especially coming out of the Soviet union. Uh, do you have a lot of uh, fond memories of, uh, did Moros or, um, you know, any of the, or, or Diet, St. Nicholas for Diet Moros. So what Diet yeah. Moros means, it means father frost and uh, there was a certain point where uh, I believe the Russians p- 
painted him with blue clothing as opposed to the red clothing. And that right. was specifically, uh, I guess, to, you know, not not just be like an American ripoff, you know, not be like the Coca-Cola Santa. But uh, <laughs> right. another thing that he had going for him, though, is that he had this cute uh, uh, granddaughter named uh, Snigurushka. I'm not mm-hmm. sure how to translate that properly because Snig. Uh, in Snyagurushka means snow. So it's like, I'm like snow girl. I'm not really sure what yeah, else. Well, this, this is the way it's always been told to me was like the, the winter empress or the winter queen. Um, well, queen but, is kind of aging her up, you know, she was, yeah, supposed it to be is. Like, yeah. Like she's a, like a princess. Like an, yeah. Yeah. Like a princess, like an e-girl, you know, you would say it right. today. <laughs> she's got those types yeah. of, well, any, anybody anybody who wants to look up, uh, you'll probably pronounce it better than me. But uh, Dead Morose is, uh, or Dead Morose uh, is, you can usually he's pictured with his daughter. So either he's in blue and she's in blue, or he's in red and she's in blue. Uh, and it's a it, there's a lot. It's very it's very popular for this sort of um, you know princess of winter to uh, be pictured with her father. And her original appearance was in Russian folklore around the 19th century. And uh, around Soviet times, that's when she was depicted as the granddaughter and the helper of uh, the uh, Diet Maros. But there was Slavic as well as other mythologies having to do with like these winter pagan gods. Uh, Even the reindeer, I believe, there was this whole tradition of uh, using the... uh, what was it? The Amanita muscaria mushroom. Yeah, it was uh, a delirium. That's the, the 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 red and white cap mushroom. Exactly. Yeah. And they had the poor deers, although maybe not poor. Maybe they had the time of their lives. They had them eat <laughs> this uh, mushroom so they could drink the urine from the deer, and yeah, that way yeah. it acted as a filter. Yes, exactly. And and then the deer, and that's I guess where you probably get that um, sort of that hallucination of the deer flying or the deer causing you to fly. And uh, yeah, it, it, it is a very interesting thing. Uh, on that sort of Eastern European tradition, and uh, considering your history, do you have any Jewish traditions in your family that line up with this time of year? That's a good question. I mean, honestly, both with Christmas and with uh, Judaism, we never really had the religious aspect of either kind of on display. Like, you know, we have a menorah and stuff like that, but we don't really celebrate things that much. I mean, when it comes to, you know, like a Hanukkah and Passover and all these different holidays. It's very interesting for me to take a look at it, but also as an outsider, taking a look at things from the perspective of who exactly, if this, if this actually happened, who exactly is this force that caused the, uh, death of the Egyptian firstborns? You know, that's, that's not really holly jolly of of, of (laughs) them. You know what I mean? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I see. I see what you're saying. Yeah. That's, that, that is true. Um, my grandfather was also Jewish and, and we didn't do a huge amount of traditions from him, although he was, uh, although he, he always called himself German, but, uh, was born in Ukraine and then end up, ended up in Czechoslovakia at the time, which is now Czech Republic, uh, and then was kicked out for obvious reasons and end up in the United States. Uh, but we never really did very many of the Jewish traditions around this time either. I think I, we did one time we did a um, early in December, we did some sort of sort of like callback that he just wanted to do. And the only thing I really remember from doing it was potato pancakes. Yeah. Oh, the latkes. Those are good. Yeah, My latkes, grandma yeah. actually made some uh, recently. Really? Okay. Yeah. yeah I, I would like to, I'd like to kind of learn a little bit about that. Cause a lot of the food that we eat now, I'm, I'm married to a Ukrainian. 
uh, a lot of the food that she and I eat is reminiscent of what my grandfather liked and uh, which is traditional European food. Although she, I, I think she probably eats a lot more pork than he did because that's not particularly Jewish, but uh, <laughs> uh, we do have, we do have a lot of that sort of stuff. So when my mom, my mom came and visited us not too long, well, actually quite a while ago. Now that I think about it, cause we've been in <laughs> Dallas for two years. So I guess it was about three years ago. She visited us <laughs> and we, and we went and got a bunch of food from the Russian store and, uh, oh, that's, that's what I wanted to tell you, Lev. Uh, you love kefir. Uh, yeah. While it's on, while it's on my mind, you love kefir. I love kefir. There's a baked kefir or baked style kefir. Um, I gotta look up what it's called. It is really good. Doesn't that uh, ruin the kefir if you bake it though? Because it has the microbiomes in there. Those microbiomes are supposed to be alive. So if you're baking it, doesn't well, that? Well, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's actually baked. It's called the baked style. It's, uh, Raise, I, mean, I cannot pronounce this for the life of me. I'm going to message it to you on Twitter because this there's might a, be something that you could pronounce. On Zencast, Let man. me see. Oh, I'm going to send it to you on Twitter. <laughs> Raise, Raisenka? Rajenka. Rajenka. Yes. This, is, this style is my new favorite style, Which, but you, you might be right. It could... Uh, Oh yeah, no, it's not. It's not baked. It's it's a traditional uh, fermented uh, product in Belarus, Russia, and Ukraine, made from ba- Oh yeah, well, baked milk. So oh, yeah, baked milk. Yeah, okay. yeah. So it is. It is made from baked milk with lactic acid fermentation. Interesting stuff. I got to take a look at it. I'm actually. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very for, good. For the past couple of days, well, a couple of uh, you know maybe a week now, I've been very much on the raw milk uh, diet. Okay. I'm not sure diet is the right word for it because you know you're not getting skinnier, but that's not the point. The point is, is that I'm drinking stuff that actually tastes good, and I do feel that it gives a vitality. I don't know if it's just a uh, you know I don't know if it's just my mind playing tricks on me, but there is something to drinking this raw milk and raw kefir, by the way, where yeah. you really are tasting vitality same thing like if i were to take a tomato that's just off the vine and uh eat that you know like uh like a vampire i would just taste the fresh blood from the tomato right. you know like there's something yeah, special about it there there really is there really is uh i lost my train of thought in the other one but we are 30 minutes into the show so let's go ahead and switch over to tasting anarchy and talk about wine mm-hmm. milk, right, so milk to wine Milk to wine. All right, here's the intro for Tasting Anarchy so that I know when to cut it. <laughs> here, here it is. You never know. Yeah, we'll pause and get into Christmas stuff in a little while because that, that's what the plan is. But uh, I don't like, I, I wouldn't say that I've been like in the dumps or anything lately. I've just been like feeling like I, I work too much and don't, and but we don't really do a lot of fun stuff anymore because it's really it's the lockdown stuff, is yeah, yeah, why. of course, it's the lockdown. Yeah. Um, and uh, even even Texas, which is pretty open, like she was kind of complaining about it. She's like, all we ever do when we want to go do something is like go to dinner. And I'm like, well, what else can we do? Nothing else is really open. And you can only go to so many escape rooms. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, I mean, we've done like every escape room in the area. So um, and, and even those are they're like semi open. So they're kind of weird. It's too, so but. weird. It's like um you talk about it and then you get and you go, oh, man, I'm missing all this, and it's like, wait, what would I would would I be doing? Yeah, I don't know because we did used to do a lot of stuff, but it was a lot. But you did, but I think what it was yeah. was you went out to work. I mean, like, right? Like you'd go out, yeah, you could just yeah. go out. 
Right. I think that's what it is. It's also, yeah, we're not at the house all the time. And yeah. now we are. Uh, like, yeah, yeah it's, just, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. And like, this is one thing that I think is excellent is that it's shown that Victoria and I get along really well, even though we're around each other all, all day long. Yeah. Um, that's good. But, uh, the bad thing yeah. is now the new challenges crop up where now you have to figure out what you're going to do as we enter lockdown months. <laughs> yeah. I, I have. Yeah. It, it's weird, but that's what we were both sitting on the couch. Um, Watching YouTube videos of other people playing video games. <laughs> yes. And, and I was like, why don't you start playing League of Legends again? And she's like, well, I don't know. It takes all my time. I'm like, yeah, but you spend hours a day watching people play League of Legends. Just just play again. Yeah, just play again. Now yeah. is the time to become obsessive. Right. That's and, I uh, lost 50 pounds during this quarantine. That was my obsession. Oh, that was my yeah. thing. I keep telling people... And and it's so funny. I remember listening to. I don't even know when this was. There's another podcast that I was on. I was listening to it back to it because sometimes I I'd like to torture myself that way. Yeah, that's and I, I had said that. something like, "You really need to pick up a something to do. Um, yeah. You really need to pick up a mastery during this time." And then I was like, "Because by the time December rolls around, this is all going to be over, and we're gonna." <laughs> and then I heard that on the recording. Oh yeah! Oh <laughs> was, my gosh! What yeah. a naive boy I was. Yeah, I <laughs> mean. Yeah. And this- even here Here's in Texas, time. like it, it's looking like it's it's never going to end. I mean, we don't have as severe of lockdowns, but well, it's, it's actually like- going to end on December twenty first, and you heard that date right when Moderna releases its vaccine after it gets express FDA approval. Oh well, maybe. I mean, I'm not going to get the vaccine unless they force me. But um, well, no, I, I'm. Well, I just wanted to scare you with the date mostly. But secondly, most people are going to get it, so you'll probably be able to rely on herd immunity for the world to get back to normal. Okay, is that I, I, I've I've heard people talk about it and stuff, and I don't I've never really figured out like how the herd immunity works. I know it doesn't have to be everybody. It, think about yeah. uh, lily pads on the on on the water, right? And think about a frog as a virus. If there's three lily pads and the two of them are green and one of them is pink, two of them are greener on the end. The pink ones in the middle, and the frog can't step on pink ones, then it can't okay. get to you. That's interesting. That's actually a permaculture growing technique because you you uh, you plant things in certain ways so that bugs and other pests and molds and things like that can't go from one oh, really? to the one next to it. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, the principle yeah. I imagine is what herd immunity is. Yeah, that that makes sense. That's that's really interesting. Yeah. Huh. Uh, but it also but it also works if you develop natural immunity from many people getting sick. But it seems like. Well, I have no idea, but it seems like either people, a lot of people are getting sick and it's not either not herd immunity doesn't work or not as many people are getting sick as we think. And there's just a whole lot more people. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, because the principle should have already started working. Yeah. And you're up in New York, so I'm sure you you know people. I still don't know anybody who's tested positive. Oh, yeah. I know a lot of people. have. I I know a couple of people who died from it or were died as listed as COVID related. um, And at least two of them actually had it that I know of. Um, okay. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I still have bigly different because another one of my friends who's down, who, uh, works at a hospital, she was telling me, and she doesn't work at a hospital as a doctor. She works at a hospital up at the front. And she was telling oh, yeah. me that like just throughout a, a large amount of time during this thing, I mean, the traffic hadn't gone up. So it's extremely localized at the very, you could say at the very least is yeah, that this yeah. is a very localized thing, which is very odd. When I was, I'm watching YouTube videos of um, this guy bald and bankrupt, and what he does is he just kind of goes and explores different uh, countries. That he's just like a 
guy who goes around and knows Hindi and Russian. And I think he probably works for MI6 and he has a YouTube channel where he goes (laughs) around and he adventures. And um, he was in rural Mexico, like in a very rural Aztec town where they only spoke, they only spoke Nahuatl. And even there they had masks on and you couldn't go into the local stores. You had to stay out at the front to get your stuff. And I thought that that was really profound. Yeah, that's wild. Well, I mean, yeah, I think it's totally I think, strange. I mean, to put on my tinfoil hat a little bit, I think it kind of is, uh, shows the rulers what they can do. And <clears throat> oh, oh yeah. Along with. That's um, my biggest concern is not that this is that, but that this is showing that it could be that. Right. Yeah. That, I mean, if they, if people are easily sufficiently scared, they'll do, but, and which is weird too, is because well, like, I guess this was the nine 11 argument too, right? Was that, uh, yeah, I guess so. Right. So I guess yeah. this is, see, they have to do this every, <laughs> every <laughs> generation. Funny. Think yeah. about, they don't, they don't have to do it because something horrible ends up happening inevitably. So they just can right. always look on and be like, yeah, we could probably use this to our advantage. And they do. Well, you know what? This is the other thing that was kind of interesting about this. And I, I talked, I think I talked about it on my California and Exile podcast that I'm still trying to make work. But, uh, um, I, when I was out in California, cause I went out to see my grandma, um, and, uh, she had a stroke and I was like, well, if I don't ever, if I don't see her, you know, uh, I may not be able to see her again. So I went out and, um, I was up in the mountains where I'm from and, um, the first place I've been to since this where nobody was wearing masks and it was in California, which I, I was like, well, this is weird, but it was also up in the mountains. Yeah. Uh, red so, country, right? Yeah. Yeah. Red, yeah. Pretty, pretty much. It's, um, and it's rural, but like, like I went to, I went to a, a bar with my dad while we were there or a pizza place that is also a bar. And, um, both of us walked in no mask Nobody, nobody cared. There was a couple people wearing masks in there, and but we got our food, sat down, had a couple beers, got pizza, and left. And then I went down to the grocery store, and I had the mask with me, but there was no sign that said mm-hmm. I had to put it on, so I just walked in without it. And the only time anybody said anything was when I went to the butcher, and the butcher was like, "Hey, uh, when you come, uh, when you approach like the to get like deli meat, um, or I guess not a butcher, it's a deli, whatever." Um, uh, when I, he was like, Hey, when you come up to the counter, just put your mask on. And I was like, okay. And, and then when I left, but like, I didn't see a single person walking around the store with a mask on, which was weird here. Camera, maybe, maybe, I don't know. It was, it was, it was very strange. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. It is very strange. I, I do. It's, and it's also funny because, um, <clears throat> so there's two things that I see down up here. Every big store, of course, you got to wear a mask. You got to follow protocol. A couple of small stores, you got to wear a mask. You got to follow protocol. But then there's a couple of small businesses around where I'm at where that I know the demographics working there. Um, it's a lot of Italian Americans, and they all vote yeah. red. Right. Uh, it's probably this one of the is, few this is, this red is demographics. <laughs> in, no, 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 no. It's Queens, but it's, yeah, you oh, get the same oh. thing. Queen, Queens, Staten Island, they both have their very red voting Italian American communities. And in not one of those businesses, is there a mask being worn? Is there a sign on the door that says, put a mask on? Not one. It's very funny how you see um, certain communities of people protest. And I can't figure out like why, like why 
as a community. I can understand why any individual person would be protesting this or, you know, society as a whole or poor people or a certain class like poor people. Like I could see why they would be protesting the largest wealth transfer in human history. Oh, yeah. Um, it's insane. Yeah. But um, what I can't understand is – and I can understand actually how Jews are protesting it up here in New York if you've ever watched the news and how de Blasio uh, yeah. talked about them. And so I can see that. <laughs> I can't see why Italian-Americans are doing it, but it's it's a very – Well, it does, definitely it seems to be a like a, a cultural thing to some degree. So cultural, that, but I don't know why. Like were Italian-Americans yeah, yeah. slighted in some way? Like I don't know. Maybe because they vote red, they feel like this whole thing has been a big – that could be oh, well, you know, and no, the uh, the Dallas Russian community is pretty red, and uh, oh yeah, Did they have no masks, exactly no masks. Uh, we went to the Russian store yesterday. The US well, are they, market. and also do is there a, is it a religious demographic? No, is it not just really. Flatly just, Russian, just Eastern Europeans. Yeah, so like, oh, yeah, uh, okay. like on uh, on Facebook, the I'm in the Russians of Dallas, and they are. I can't read half of their posts because it's in Cyrillic, but mm-hmm. um, they just they just constant Trump stuff. So they're like big time Trump supporters, which is interesting. Um, and then uh, we went to the USSR market yesterday to get some stuff because that's what we do. And um, they had taken their sign down. It, like technically it's still a state mandate, but they'd taken their mask sign down. When we went in, the staff was wearing masks, but <laughs> one, <laughs> one of the uh, ladies was wearing a bedazzled mask and you could see her face through it, <laughs> which was, I thought that's amazing. Yeah, which was 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 entertaining, and then uh, we were the only people there, but there was no sign, so we didn't put our masks on because if there's no sign, we don't do it. And um, uh, and then other people started entering the store after us. We got there; there was nobody in the store when we got there, and then a couple other people. The Americans that came in the store all were wearing masks. The people who spoke Russian that were coming into the store did not wear masks, which I thought was interesting. Hmm. Yeah. It, it, it is – it's very interesting to see like these kind of sub-communities because we're not really very connected to the local Eastern European community even though Victoria is Ukrainian. But um, we we do go to that, that market and we do follow them on Facebook to see uh, different services are available. Like Victoria likes to get her nails done by a Russian or by a Eastern European. Oh, this is really is like a USSR sto- – like you got to get everything here. <laughs> everything is done in this place. Is that how yeah. that goes? That's awesome. Uh, they don't do the nails there, but it's like it's like a hub of uh, like they have like a bulletin board where you can get all the the, the information oh. for different services, and then nice. and then the Russians of Dallas Facebook page has like a lot of uh, the Russians a lot of, of Dallas Facebook page. That place has got to be crazy at two or three in the morning. I'm sure. <laughs> it, it is. There, I mean, it's a really interesting group of people. Like, mm. uh, and it, it's weird that there's, but you know. It's. I would have expected it in like places like New York or LA or San Francisco, places like that, where you have these kind of communities that form. But like, it's weird that there are a lot of those here in Dallas, where and not not the ones that you'd kind of think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's like next to Mexico, so you'd think that there'd be like a little Mexico or whatever. But there's like a lot of West Africans uh, in like their area, and uh, a, actually, we live pretty close to a pretty dense Muslim community. Um, with a, a gigantic mosque and stuff that's uh it's right on the other side of the freeway from where we live and um really good well, i think it's mostly lebanese because most of their restaurants are lebanese i was but, literally gonna ask so that i'm sure the shopping centers are fire like they're absolutely oh, crazy you can get yeah. it probably their spice and super lebanese, good if it's lebanese yeah. especially 
Yeah, well, that's one of our favorite spice palettes too. Is the Middle Eastern spice oh, palette. So we oh, go yeah. to uh, we go to the hookah. There's a hookah bar not too far. I don't smoke hookah, but Victoria likes it, and um, they have really good food there. So we'll go. We'll bring the tablet and just like watch a movie or something like that, and just sit there and eat food for hours. This spring, this is potentially a segue into what we were doing spices. <laughs> that's right. I've, well, got, I've got some beverages. Okay. Um, yeah. Let's, 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 yeah, let's get into it. I'll, I'll write down real quick, uh, 13 minutes and uh, to, we, we might, we might, we might use this for, uh, this part do whatever for the end of the show. Yeah. But, whatever uh, you do with it. yeah, but we're, I wanted to have you on to add to our Christmas clip show to talk a little bit about what, if, uh, what you guys do up there in New York for Christmas. I, we'd actually, we had another person on who is in New York, but, uh, is Russian Jewish. So it doesn't do much, uh, for Not Christmas, no Christmas that it's like, yeah. Yeah, not for not in the like American tradition, but you're an American, even though you're from uh, the Italian community. Is that right? That's correct. Uh, what do you guys do up there in New York that is uh, your typical Christmas? So, um, oh God, I don't know if you. Oh, you didn't have him on. Good. So he was going to tell you about the Feast of the Seven Fishes. Is what I'm going to tell you about. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. Oh, think Ra- about Rollo here. Yeah, Rollo might. He, he's going to be on tonight to give us a couple of. He's probably going to do that. He's probably going to yeah. do that. So I'll, I'll let him do that because I'm not going to step in his way because he made one last year. But that's that's the the ticket here. That's what, that's what I'll the, do. That's here's Italian what I'll do thing or New York thing? That's, oh, that's an Italian-American thing for sure. As far as I understand it, I don't think they do that in Italy. They probably do something like it in Italy and then it came here. Oh yeah, it's called the Vigil. Right. Okay. So th- there's a tradition where you make a bunch of different seafood dishes. Rallo will probably tell you about that one. And if he doesn't, you really should be like, hey, tell me about the Feast of the Seven Fishes because he made one. <laughs> he made okay. one, which is really difficult to do. But what I'll okay. tell you about instead is uh, I'll, I'll give you um, two, two, two drinks. I want to give you two Christmas drinks. Okay. Um, the, the simple one is, the, is a hot toddy. And the reason okay. why I bring up a hot toddy is because half of me is German-Irish, and that's the side that I usually go to on Christmas. But on Christmas, just like on Thanksgiving, we usually, we used to do the traditional, like you do a turkey and um, and whatever. That's on Thanksgiving. And then on Christmas, you do a, you know, you do a ham or whatever the case may be. Yeah. That, of course, we're trying to get this organized this year, and you know, half the family, because it's New York, is like totally – not doing it. So we'll see what we get done, but we always do different um, ethnic foods instead of doing this traditional American. So for Thanksgiving um, we did Chinese food. I did a bunch of uh, Chinese food. We brought a whole bunch in. I don't know what we're doing for Christmas yet. Um, But last year we did all German. So we had like your class, like all the, we had a ridiculous number of sausages. Uh, We had Laden, (laughs) We had um, goulash. We had, which I think is Hungarian, but Germans love that stuff. So, um, uh, yeah, I, think, I mean, so, so I think everybody stuff. over there does a goulash. We had all that stuff, but the but the drink yeah. is the hot toddy. That's the okay. one that we, you have to go for, at least on the German Irish side. Everybody gets one. There's a, uh, and I'm what, pretty what, sure what, it's uh, Irish, but I but I but I but I don't know where exactly it comes from. Um, have you ever had one before? No, no, that's what I was going to say. It's like, I, I, everybody always says it's like the cure all for like sickness and stuff. What is, what's in a hot toddy? So, like, you drink it usually before you go to bed, and it's, uh, 
far as I know, it's whiskey, it's honey and water, a little honey and a little water, and then you throw like, you you can throw tea leaves in, although we don't, and then you put a little splash of lemon in it. So it's pretty simple. It's just a, it's just warm, usually hot whiskey uh, with a little honey and a little, it's like a tea. Think about it, it that way. Like, uh, like a tea, alcoholic tea. And it gets you very sleepy after you have two or three of them. <laughs> right. So that's good. And then, um, the other drink, and this is, this is from no side of my family, but it was a drink that I was introduced to and I'll ne- I'll never forget it. It's one of my favorite, like Christmas beverages. I don't know if you've ever had Coquito. No, but we were talking about it. Um, and we'll probably be making our own and on a show coming up, which probably will be released. Well, probably around the same time I release this. That's the stuff. Coconut milk. You got to get good rum, some condensed milk, and then you can add some vanilla. Some people do egg yolk. I am not doing egg yolk. That's not for me. Uh, And I sometimes you put cloves in it, and I put a little nutmeg on top of it usually. And that is – that's the beverage. That's the beverage for me. That's the Christmas beverage because I don't like eggnog. I don't know about you, but I think eggnog really? is kind of gross. Yeah, I, I, I really like eggnog. Uh, well, then you can add I, eggnog to Coquito too. By the way, yeah. Well, <laughs> we we were. I never had alcoholic. I didn't realize it was an eggnog was typically an alcoholic drink until I was an adult because we didn't drink at all in my family and or nobody in my family drank and. Um, uh, and then when I was an adult, I went to a, a Christmas party or whatever and had and I was like, is there is there liquor in this? And they're like, yeah, it's eggnog. I was like, oh, I, is that typical? <laughs> and and they're like, yeah, it's, it's there's always liquor. Makes in it taste eggnog. better. <laughs> yeah, but not not to me. I'm not I'm not a huge fan of liquor. But although I'm 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 acquiring a a taste for it now that I'm a little bit older. But um, what liquor? Yeah, I remember uh, you always not liking liquor. And what was there, the one that? Well, I, there's 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 certain mixed drinks that I think are pretty good. So oh, like okay, I, yes, I, yeah, that's I can the do way a in. Yeah, I can that's do how you do it. But that's the way in. I think most people got in that way. They were like, yeah, oh, you got to so. put it in something first. <laughs> well, and you know what? It, when when I first became old enough to drink, uh, I didn't like wine either. And now this show's all about wine, and I love wine. I drink you know a couple bottles mm-hmm. a week. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's just I think it's one of those things. There, I was listening to. Uh, the Whole Foods guy on Rogan, and he said, like, there's this rule that if you try something 10 times, your body will learn to like it. I don't know if that's true, but... Uh, With enough willpower, I could see you being able to get most things down in 10 tries. Yeah, I could yeah, see I think, that. Yeah, well, because he, he says that it's it's usually that there's, like, there's too much of some sort of flavor, or it's confusing. Mm-hmm. You just don't expect it. Texture yeah, yeah. can be very overwhelming. You need, yeah, I could see that, but I could I can think of things that I've really tried to have more than 10 times that I still can't do like clams, like the number of times where I've tried to do clams and I just can't get them down. It's innumerable. No, I'll get that. That's great. That's fine. That's like, that's because whenever I talk to people about, because I'm not a a seafood person at all. And then they'll be like, you don't like anything. I'm like, well, I like, I like some shrimp and clam chowder I and like all chowder. Salmon sushi and that's it. Yeah, chowder is good. I think all chowder is, is good. I like Man, corn chowder the most, but all chowder uh, is good. Speaking of corn chowder. By the uh, way, make yourself some corn chowder for Christmas. Yeah, that's that would be a good one. There's there's this she crab corn chowder, which I don't I didn't used to think I like she crab until I had this she crab corn chowder down in uh 
the Norfolk area. It is. is, Oh, yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. I I don't know what a she crab is, but (laughs) it's an Atlantic blue crab. Oh, okay. All right. Um, But they do it and they have this like, uh, it's like, I can't remember what they called it, but it's like the essence of corn. It's like, it's like corn, but like they distill it down into like an oil. And it is like the most powerful corn flavor in the soup. It was super good. I think the place is called Finn in, uh, I think it's in, it's either in Hampton or Portsmouth. I can't remember which, but, um, yeah, it looks like a South Carolina specialty is what it's it really yeah. good. It's really good. Oh, it has crab roe. That's what makes it, um, she crab. Oh, got it. Okay. God. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Good. It's, it's, yes. it's uh, that's a good one. So yeah, that's a good, that's a good Christmas thing. So, uh, on the on the topic of Christmas, though, uh, you had mentioned it earlier that you know New York's in lockdown and stuff like that this year. Have you what what has been different about it that you you know normally when you walk around you have these different traditions and stuff you do, but this year is the year of COVID. Uh, are you missing anything that you normally really enjoy about Christmas? Oh no, I'm not. No, I don't. You said you had another New Yorker on. I wonder if he'll resonate with this statement. But I am from Queens. I don't know where he was from. Um, that whole thing that you see on television with the like, oh, the trees going up and all the lights are everywhere. I think that's a thing that New Yorkers like show their kids and then you don't ever really go see it again until you're either with a girl (laughs) or getting married. Right. And, um, and so no, not for me. Um, I, I think it sucks, I guess, for the tourists. I see that. Did you see the tree they put up? The poor thing. (laughs) All right, Google that if you're in front of your Google machine. Uh, what NYC is Christmas uh, NYC. tree. Just all, as simple as that. NYC Christmas tree. Should oh, come yeah. Up. Oh, yeah, it is, it is pretty miserable. It's a sad creature this year. Uh, I wonder why they chose this. It's like Charlie Brown's tree. Yeah, I don't really understand it. It doesn't – like huh. it. They, they said that it had to like furrow out or whatever the word would be, you know, where all the leaves have to come together and it'll start to look oh, better. right, yeah, yeah. But I don't know, man. It's a pretty empty. It's a empty looking tree to me. Empty yeah. looking. So I don't know. But that's it. It's a big symbol of what's really how we're feeling. I think. I think. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's you can true. Google, yeah. you can gauge like the uh, <laughs> the psychology of this of the city as an entity uh, by two things: the lights on the Empire State Building and what they're doing for the day, and um, and the tree around Christmas time. How how the holidays yeah. are going. Man, yeah, that's a bummer. You know, and that's that's interesting too because even being from California, like a lot, and I guess this is just sort of the American monoculture to some degree. Like a lot of things that I think about for Christmas are sort of related to like this big tree in Manhattan and like uh, Home Alone Two and like things like that that are all things that take place in New York. Yeah, nobody's home alone this year. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Interesting, but all right. Well, anything else you want to share for Christmas? Uh, everybody really needs to go make coquito and clam chowder. Oh no, all corn right. chowder or clam chowder, sure. whatever you want. That's all I want to share. Please. All right. Have, Merry Christmas, everybody. All right. Merry Christmas. Thanks for coming on bird. No problem. Welcome Rolo McFlugel and Slappy Jones too to the tasting anarchy uh, Christmas special. Uh, what we're, what we've been doing is just kind of asking people about their Christmas traditions. Um, 
Well, we all. Well, I've been I've been wrapping it up with like a sour note by saying like, what do you expect is going to be very different of, about your Christmas this year uh, because of COVID? But um, earlier we had uh, Bird Arcus on, and he did in, uh, tell me something intriguing about you, Rollo, and I, I I kind of remember you telling us about this last Christmas, um, but it was like the Feast of Fishes. Do you want to? Uh, do you sure. Tell us about that. Yeah. Well, thanks for having us on. Uh, this is a. Uh, this should be fun. Talk about Christmas stuff, and it's that time of year already. My favorite holiday. So mine too. My favorite holiday nice. also. Uh, so yeah, the Feast of the Seven Fishes is kind of an Italian uh, staple, normally done on Christmas Eve. Um, I've never actually Rob, done it with. Yeah, I'm gonna cut you off real quick. Is this like a Northeast thing, Italian thing, or? Are there just not a lot of Italians? Like, I thought that was fairly common. Uh, I've never heard of it, but I'm not Italian. I'm not Italian yeah. either, but like, there's a lot of Italians in the area, and they, yeah, I mean, everyone knows about the seven. I've been to a Seven Fishes. I was gonna say, like, I, I, I grew up with like a guy from Sicily, and like his mom was Sicilian, and never heard of this. That's why oh, I'm thinking really? it might be like an American Italian thing or Italian American thing. But I don't. Know it might that. be. I, I I really don't. Either know. way, it's really cool. Yeah, my family actually didn't do it uh, growing up. I think my parent. But so my mom's a hundred percent Italian. My dad is half Italian and half Polish, and I'm pretty sure both sides they did it growing up. Uh, but it's typically done on Christmas Eve. Although um, I've always done it sometime the week before or after Christmas. I've been doing it for the last I don't know five or six years uh, inviting my family over, but it's exactly what it sounds like. It is uh, seven different dishes. It's a, it's a big, uh, big Italian meal of seven different seafood uh, dishes. Um, And there's some traditional ones that are, that are made. uh, And otherwise it's, I guess it's kind of regional open to what your, what your family traditionally does and everything. But um, my family, uh, we never were big Christmas Eve people for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, but we would kind of do a small version of it, I guess. We would have uh, maybe shrimp cocktail and crab cakes and, uh, you know, crabs and spaghetti or something for dinner on Christmas Eve. But uh, as we got a little bit older, uh, my dad and my brothers and I used to play at Christmas Eve mass at our parish. So Christmas Eve would kind of be a busy day with getting everything set up, getting to church early, playing the mass, coming home. Uh, so, and then my parents were busy cooking uh, and preparing the food for Christmas, uh, which we did a little bit more of a Polish, and eh, it's barely even Polish. <laughs> I'm embarrassed, <laughs> embarrassed calling it Polish, but, um, but uh, yeah, but uh, I I ended up kind of saying as I got older and got more into cooking, I said, you know what, this is this seven fishes is, is really awesome. So I started doing it, and in the beginning, I didn't quite get seven fishes, I don't think. But the last few years, I've been doing it and and getting seven different dishes with seven fishes, and I think it ends up being like if you're going to count each individual type of seafood, it ends up being like eleven or so that I've done. Hmm. Um, and do you, you do you invite people over for this? Yes, yeah, I have my family over. 
So I was wondering, because like in my head, I'm picturing like you with this big spread of all these fish, and it's just you. Yeah, it, <laughs> it would be it would be ma- way too much work to justify for. Uh, yeah, I've 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 cooked for like two straight days to do this. Okay, uh, it ends up that, being that makes sense. Yeah, that's, that's a big, I'm just, a big. I'm, uh, I'm just imagining like basically tapas sized dishes, like one spoon, like, you know, like they have on those like cooking shows. Sometimes that's like where they try to make like the perfect spoon and Rollo just has seven spoons in front of it. Like, this yeah, is well, delicious. Since, since it's Italian, we just, everything is way too much. Yeah. So according to Wikipedia, it like it's first known references from like the eighties. So it's like an Italian American thing. And it like, it functionally comes from the fact that there's a lot of people who fasted on Christmas Eve. Um, but it's weird. And then it also comes from some, I mean, it's a, it's a badly written, uh, Wikipedia article from the 19th. It's not surprising. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. What was that? Yeah. This is, it says, yeah, it says here, I, I pulled that up too. It says, while the first reference to the feast was seen in 1980s, the New York times and the Philadelphia inquirer, it is Which unclear from- when, what's that? I was saying, uh, makes sense where, like, from who's telling us about it, like Philadelphia Inquirer, New York Times, kind of like a, a that area of the country. It says it says here that it was inter- This is a Wikipedia history lesson said it was introduced to the United States by Southern Italian immigrants in New York City, uh, New York City's little Ita- little Italy in the eighteen hundreds. So, but I guess the the term Feast of the Seven Fishes is. Uh, was popularized in the 1980s. It was before it was just like a Christmas Eve uh, meal. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's always been. You know. Oh, oh actually, it says. Uh, it, it says in Italy, it's called uh, La La Vigi La Vigialia, the village or the village. The I can't even read this. The vigil. The vigil. Vigil, vigil of the nativity. I guess. Yes. Yeah, that's interesting. But in Italian, which neither huh. Jacob reckons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which, which I, I should, I, I, for as much Italian and French and Romance wines that we drink, I still can't pronounce anything. <laughs> from and, I'll, I'll give, I'll and give, I'll give it, I'll, the, the, uh, will give it a shot. Uh, yeah. Vigilia di Natale. I'm sure okay. that was, I was going to say, you know, given the fact that Jacob is Latin. <laughs> Uh, but as yeah, as long as you pinch your fingers together while you're doing it, it works. Yeah, and and roll my hands around and everything. I I do talk right. with my hands a lot. Uh, as as you as and me both. No, but I always hear. There's always stories I hear from like because I my great. Uh, I think I had a couple great grandmothers that came off the boat. Uh, but they were like these big, strong, like beefy Italian women, and uh, you know it, it was you would always hear the story because we. Grew most of my family's from the Philadelphia area and spent a lot of time down the shore. And all the men, uh, you know, fishing has always been a big deal. And it was always a story like you could bring home anything that you caught, and they would cook it. Uh, and and one of the uh, things I don't know if it's just South Philly or an Italian thing, but on Christmas Eve, if you went into the bathrooms of these people's homes there would be the bathtub would be filled with water and have eel swimming in it because eel was one of the, uh, one of the dishes that they would serve a lot. Mm. Oh. And so we get them live and then keep them alive, you know, for, for a little bit until they're ready to clean them and cook them. I you had like, you like eel, right? Mason. I do. I love it. Eel is delicious. 
I've never actually it's, done it for the seven fishes though. Hmm. I don't. I don't really. I don't. Well, I don't like seafood pretty much in general. There's a few that I like, but I don't know. Uh, like there was a Czech guy that my mom knew, and he made us eel one time, Jacob. And from my memory of it, you wouldn't have known it was eel. It was delicious. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I've cooked. I've caught one. One. I was going fishing a couple of years ago, and that was the only thing I caught was an eel. So I took it home, and uh, you know they're they're slimy and and a pain to deal with and everything. But how big when was you it? the eel? Uh, it was probably only like sixteen inches. Not a big guy. Is there a lot of meat on that? Yeah, I mean you could you get a that that was enough for for uh, lunch, nice. and. Uh, if you clean them well, what you got to do is is you just kind of cut, just cut the skin right around the head. Like you don't want to cut the head off because you want to be able to grab the head. But you grab a rag or something and hold the head. Just make a, a cut all the way around behind the uh, the gills, and then grab the skin with a pair of pliers, and the skin comes off like a sock. And it is huh. just the most satisfying thing in the world. And I put that on a charcoal grill with some olive oil, salt, and pepper. Uh, it was, yeah, it, you put that in front of someone, they would be like, oh, that's a very tasty fish. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know Should if I would say that, but like, oh, it's garbage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, the thing is actually what I've learned as an adult with me and fish is that it's mostly fresh fish is fine. If it's, if it's recently caught, it's the, it's the fish that's a little bit older that has that very strong fishy taste. And I have learned mm-hmm. that I think that that's, that that's part of the decay. What 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 we would think is uh, the fishy smell um, is actually not the way fish is supposed to smell if it's right. fresh. Right. Yeah. Um, fish doesn't smell like anything. Really, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's what I've learned as I'm as I'm older. Like, and and I can do like sushi and stuff like that now occasionally, but like I only really do the salmon and the tuna, and it has to be very fresh. If there's any of that fishiness, I'm just, it it doesn't work for me. Um, that that's just, but you know, Victoria, she'll happily eat it if it's, you know, she'd prefer it fresh, but, uh, if it, if it's very fishy, she's fine with it. You know, she eats, she, yesterday we went to the Russian store and brought back a bunch of these, um, uh, these, I don't know what they're called, but they're like, they're, they're tiny fish. They're not sardines, but they're like little fish and mm-hmm. they're, uh, they're like dried and then like packed in oil. Mm-hmm. Anchovies. They're, they're kind of like anchovies, but they're a little bit bigger. Oh, um, um, I know what you're, I think we, I know what yeah, you're talking we, about. Um, we just, we buy like giant bundles of them at the Russian store and she'll just sit there and eat them like, uh, while we watch a movie or something. And they are the fishiest smelling fish on the planet. I bought something like that, <laughs> um, at the farmer's market where I'm at. I think it was, it was Russian or some sort of other Eastern European country. Oh, I, I forget. It's, it's very, a, it's very popular. A lot of that, it's a, that kind of dried fish stuff. It's a it's a short word, right? Like a one syllable thing. I have no idea. I think she, um, she I think she calls them Kaplan or something like that. Kippers? Um, maybe maybe some I don't know. Something Russian. There's Kippered hair. Uh that's that's like a British thing. Mm-hmm. Not, yeah, like, I'm not sure. Smelt is the Italian little fish that gets you. So they just get yeah. uh me- dredged in dredged in flour and fried and that's like a very you'll you'll Almost always find that at a feast of the seven fishes. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I can't remember what they're called. I'll, I'll ask her. Uh, they're just little fish. I don't know what they're called, but uh, she likes them a lot and she eats them. 
uh, let's see here. According to this, it says it just says Russian snack fish. Sprat? Who knows? Who sprat? knows what they are? What? Is it, it no, a, I don't. I, a I don't sprat? Think. Could be. I, but you know what? She but she calls it whatever it is in Russian. So oh, okay. Um, but you know, it, they're like a very popular beach food for them is dried fish and beer. Hmm. Which like we wouldn't we wouldn't really think of like eating that at the beach, or I wouldn't. At least, but uh, it kind of makes sense because it's dried fish. Mm-hmm. So you're at the beach. That's what you know. That's what's going to be available there. And uh, although she doesn't eat um, fish, but anyways, uh, back to the Christmas tradition. After that whole uh, aside, <laughs> yeah, that whole aside. Um, got anything more to say about the feast of seven fishes? Um, no. But I mean, if 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 you're interested in it, I would look it up and do it because it's it's delicious and you can kind of – I mean there's just so many – you start exploring all the different uh, Italian seafood dishes that are out there and, and there's really just this never-ending list of them. Um, do, you, uh, do you eat a lot of cod with it? That's one of the few fishes that yeah. I know how to pair. Ah, do you, do you do fresh cod or the bacala? I, I don't eat cod, but I know that no. it's supposed to go, it's supposed to go uh, with Pinot Noir. That's, the, that's <laughs> or Chardonnay. That's the, that's the only okay. reason I know it. <laughs> yeah, so the uh, the bacala is 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 one of the dishes you'll see in pretty much all of the seven fishes too. It's a salted cod, and uh, I made mine. It was a like a Trentino last year uh, kind. It was with like milk and potatoes. And uh, kind of this layered dish, and it's really good, really tasty. I probably should have uh, uh, desalted it a little bit better. Uh, it was a little, little bit salty, but uh, it was still pretty good. That sounds actually. That you said it's layered. Yeah, yeah. So, it was like a casserole. Yeah, I'm de- I'm derailing it again. There is, uh, I don't think it's made with cod. I think it's made with herring uh, that Victoria eats. It's called uh, shuba. And it is um, like a layer of potatoes, a layer of beets, a layer of, I think, herring. Uh, then like a layer of like sour cream, more beets, more potatoes. And then it's got like beets on the top and then it's covered with, I don't know what it is, but it's some sort of like grated thing. And it looks like, so I guess shuba means coat, like fur coat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it looks sort of like a fur coat. Um, I can't remember. I don't know. It just you reminded know, me of it. You know what, uh, I've never associated my appetite of fur coat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know how to spell it, but uh, I would look it up. But anyways, um, what about what about you, Slappy? What is your Christmas uh, tradition? Christmas Eve or yeah. any other time? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll I'll talk about mine. I just want to mention one thing. One more plug for the the seven fishes is when I was in high school and even through college. One of my best friends, um, he's still one of my best friends, but uh, his parents grew up in the city in Philly, and every Christmas Eve, they would have a huge party. It'd be all his parents' friends from their old neighborhood would be at his house, and I would go every year, and they, you know, they always invited, they invited so many people, and there was so many fishes, and it was just the coolest thing. Um, All kinds of seafood, crab, shrimp. You name it. I mean, it wasn't like, like Rollin mentioned, there's probably traditional fishes. They just had all kinds of seafood. There was probably more than seven of them. 
and it was the greatest Christmas Eve thing that we we did for that I was able to participate in for a couple of years. So I think that's really cool that, and I think it's kind of cool here. And this is the first time I ever like realized or knew it. Maybe it's a Philly, New York, New York, Philly kind of thing. I always just figured it was something that Italians did everywhere. Um, so that's really cool. Yeah, that is cool. So on this, on the feast of the seven fishes, though, is there is there a Catholic significance to it being fish? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the like there was possibly at least on the, least on the Wikipedia. It was like because it was a feasting day. It was also a lot of people didn't eat meat, kind of going into that season. Yeah. So yeah. traditionally, Catholics would fast every Friday and not eat meat on Fridays, but you could eat fish. So that may may be why if it was a fasting mm-hmm. day. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Huh. Interesting. Um, but yeah, so my, my Christmas Eve's are, so my, both my, I guess, uh, both my parents, uh, both sides of the family are from Irish descent. My gra- grandparents are Irish on uh, one side and I don't know, great grand, great. I don't know. Down the line on the other side. And, uh, we had a whole bunch of cousins who all lived in the same area. My mom was one of nine, all her brothers and sisters lived close when we were kids, except for one um, who was in the Navy who traveled around. So, And they all had a bunch of kids. So we had a million cousins. And uh, so for Christmas Eve, when we were young, we would always go to my grandparents' house and, and all our parents would be, uh, you know, drinking and doing doing their uh, – I don't, I don't know. We, we, we called it when we were kids the Chinese auction. That's probably not PC – but uh, everyone buys a gift, wraps it, and then you kind of steal it from each other. You know the game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they would play that all night, and we would just be playing with our cousins, and it was just that anticipation and of uh, of Christmas. It was awesome. And uh, and then Christmas morning, we were always a Christmas morning mass uh, people, so we you know we'd run down, get our toys, and then go to mass. Uh, Rallo mentioned he was a Christmas Eve. We most usually Christmas morning, but we did do a couple Christmas Eve masses, but there was never like, like I always hear stories and there's always movies of like families coming in town and meeting and sometimes arguing, but it was not really like that because our family was always around. I was always around my cousins. I was always around everyone all the time. So Christmas wasn't like um, that time of year where family gets together because our family was always together. So it was, you know, but uh, just being a kid in that anticipation was just, the best. I love seeing it in my kids now. Yeah, that that, that, that says I I grew up similar to what you're uh, saying. Other than we didn't have mass because we weren't Catholic, yeah. and uh, also none of nobody in my family drank, so we didn't have the drinking yeah. part. But uh, <laughs> uh, but same thing though. All my cousins lived in that part of California, and um, my mom's one of of six, and so a lot of cousins also, yeah. and just big celebration. Uh, usually we didn't do Christmas Eve. Usually they would come over Christmas night. So you'd actually no, that can't be because what? Well, maybe it was. I don't know. Maybe we were just really good at like not playing with our toys when our cousins <laughs> were over. I don't know. Uh, but I, I I recall it being Christmas Day. But maybe it was Christmas Eve that people came over, and I'm just forgetting which day it was. Yeah, I remember the Christmas Eve for us because the parents would be up late and doing their their thing and we'd be waiting for the next morning and talking about it. But then I always remember on Christmas, like we'd we'd hang out with the cousins again because, uh, you know, we'd have similar 
similar gifts or things that matched up or, you know, cards to trade or whatever. Right. Know, I guess my mom and her sisters would, would figure out what, what they're doing. And so that was always fun to go uh, hang out with our cousins and talk about the stuff we have and, you know, yeah. link up our Game Boy games or whatever, or whatever you did. <laughs> back in the day when, yeah. <laughs> back when, when you had to link them up. Yes, <laughs> with the cord. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. Like, what is this archaic well, that, I mean, that cable? Sounds pretty good. <laughs> What's that? I'm saying, what is this archaic cable stuff? <laughs> I <know. laughs> did I Did I ever tell you that one time – I was, I was probably 19 or 20 and I was, uh, I had, I think I, I might've told you this Mason, but I don't, I don't know if I've shared it on the show. I had my Game Boy Pocket, which when I was 20 was pretty old by that mm-hmm. point, but there was a game on it that I wanted that for some reason I had gotten a copy of it and I really wanted to play. And I brought it with me to church and after church, I was sitting outside playing and some little kid comes up and he goes, Hey, what's that? And I said, Oh, it's a Game Boy. And he goes, No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I was like, that was like the first time where I was like, Man, I'm I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> I just not, relatively recently, a couple months ago, found like my original Game Boy at my parents' house. That thing's like <clears throat> brick. Yeah. Yeah. They're, like they're, I, they're I have my massive. I was yeah. gonna say, I think I have my brothers in my shed because we found it at my parents' house. And I was like, well, I'm taking this because uh, I don't care. <laughs> like, right. my brother didn't really care about this. <laughs> I do. <laughs> so, well, I, for some reason, have like three <laughs> yellow Game Boy pockets that are floating around the house. And I'm not sure why. But um, <laughs> it's because you worked at Toys R Us and like anything where you thought you could flip it. <laughs> Game that's over. true. Yeah, that's probably what it was. I probably picked it up when I was at Toys R Us. Somebody brought it in. Was like, "Do you have any games that go in this?" I'm like, "Well, not anymore." Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's probably that's you're probably right. It's probably I probably picked it up at Toys R Us. Uh, but yeah, yeah, th- 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 that is a good time. I think it's one of the things that uh, is that makes Christmas as a an adult with no kids a little less fun. Is that uh, you don't have the kid aspect to it because I think Christmas is kind of one of those things that's, it's a lot of fun to see the kids excited or see them anticipating and then excited about what they got. Uh, and so that's, that's pretty, pretty great that you've still got that slappy. Yeah, it's awesome. It's the best. My, you know, we hung up stockings today actually. So the kids are all pumped. It was nice. We don't have the tree up yet, but. And we, we put our tree up today. Uh, we went for, this is the first live tree we ever bought uh, nice. since I've been since I've been married. Yeah, and yeah, it, it is nice. What what about you, Rolla? Do you do you get to go and uh, see your nephews and niece? Do you have nieces or just nephews? Just nephews, just three nephews. Uh, yeah, we do. So on on Christmas Day, we uh, all the family goes to uh, my parents' house, or at least um, my siblings and I. And sometimes there's an aunt or an uncle uh, shows up too, or maybe my grandmother. Uh, although probably not this year. Um, but yeah, get to, get to experience a little kid aspect of it, see them, see their faces light up and get really excited about, uh, well, talking about what they got in the morning and then what they're about to get from their grandparents and aunts and uncles, uh, being, being all together. Um, so yeah, that, that, that is a blast. And, uh, I typically go with my brother to <clears throat> chop down a tree with yeah. them. So that's, that's a lot of fun too. And I get this, uh, I let my nephews help me pick out a little tree and I get like the little Charlie Brown tree. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's awesome. What about, uh, for both of you guys, do you, my family has like a very strict process for opening gifts. 
uh, which I, I think I, I went through on one of our previous ones. The way that we do it is like it's uh, youngest to oldest picks a gift, but it has to be for somebody else. And then everybody watches them open it. I like that. Yeah, that's what we we always did that. It was mostly, I think it was my, I, I think my mom came up with it. I don't think that she did that when she was a kid, but I think she came up with it because it was too chaotic with five kids. <laughs> um, so she <laughs> came up with this very strict process for doing it. Plus it, it makes it last longer. Usually we get about halfway through opening the gifts and then break for a yeah. big breakfast. Do you guys have anything like that? Like where you have like a, a process? <laughs> For me, no. And that I think that's awesome. No, like I was actually going to say um, I was one of six um, and it was always just chaos. Like you just go, go <laughs> at it. And, uh, and then you said <laughs> exactly that. So yeah, no, it's always, it was always just chaos. And even with our kids now, I mean, my kids are young still. And, but uh, yeah, they come, uh, my oldest is six. So he's, and second one's five. Like they get it. They know what's going on. They're excited. Um, but yeah, they'll just come downstairs and, and open their stuff. And yeah. So Jacob, this is a perfect Berenstein bears moment that a uh, slappy can do yeah. where he can institute this policy and then just act like it's always been that way. And his kids are just crazy. Because <laughs> <laughs> Jacob's got like all of these, like, really interesting things that have happened where like either his parents clearly changed something or like he has a worse memory than like I can imagine. Cause like there's so much that he remembers about his childhood there. I'm just like, he's like, Hey, do you remember like anything like this in your childhood? And I'm like, you're a lunatic for remembering that. (laughs) (laughs) And then he'll be like, Oh, like this, this, and this. And then like, suddenly my parents didn't do that anymore. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I'm, I'm starting to think that I'm starting to think they might have like been gaslighting us a little bit, like because I think that maybe I or and also the time frames when you're a kid are very different. So if you think you've been watching a show for years, Uh sometimes it's only been like three weeks. Uh (laughs) So because I I, actually one of the one of the points was um, that cartoon Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. Uh, which in my memory, uh, I watched and I looked it up. Let me look it up again real quick. Uh, Beetlejuice. Um, the Don't animated say it again. Beetlejuice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> that animated show, um, in my memory was years and years and years and years, but, and it did, it did have four seasons, but it was, it started when I was too young to have remembered watching it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it started in 89. I would have been two. And so did it start um, that, did it start mm-hmm. that long ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but I remember just like watching it one day and my mom going, what are you watching? And I was like, Beetlejuice. I always watch this. And she goes, no, you're not allowed to watch that. <laughs> and like, that's one of like my go-tos for that. And the, the, we've talked about it since I've been an adult. And my mom says, it's possible that I did watch it for a while at like a time when she was not at the house when like I was staying with my grandparents or something while she was at date. Like I have so many sisters. And so she would, she would do something with the girls and not me. Or when I was real young, she uh, taught daycare before my other sisters were, were born when it was just my older sister and me. So it's possible that like, while she was doing the daycare at the school, I was at home with my grandparents and they just didn't realize that I wasn't supposed to watch it. 
But um, but there there yeah there are a lot of weird things like that. We we do we actually have a Christmas one like that, uh, which I've probably told Mason before. Uh, is we also one of the one of the procedural rules of Lindsay Christmas is that um, you can't open stockings until the sun has crested the horizon. So, uh, so, <laughs> so you have to like so we would get up really really early. And we would want to go down and, and open stockings. But to my older sisters in my recollection, that was not a rule until later on. Hmm. Uh, but my mom says that was something that she did when she was a kid. And and it's possible we just didn't wake up early enough prior to one year. And so it, what, we didn't realize that was a rule or maybe we just didn't think about it. But yet, But we would sit there and watch as the sun came up over the hills. <laughs> Just, just try, just, oh, there it is. We see it now over the stockings. <laughs> so, uh, that was, that was like one of our other things too, is just try to like, cause I think a lot of too, of what my mom's goal was with Christmas stuff or traditions is to stretch it out and make it as organized as possible. So that it's an entire day thing rather than just everybody opens stuff early in the morning and then goes off and does their own thing. And two, I mean, Santa Claus strategically picks gifts on purpose and you know, he probably wants to be able to, you know, see your reaction as That's opposed right. to just, you True. know, you do all these, all these, this paper getting shredded around and, and you don't get to. <laughs> yeah. and, but that was, that's it. That's another thing that we didn't do until I was older is we didn't do Santa Claus at all. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, Cause my mom thought it took away from Jesus. And so mm. um, when I was real little, we didn't do it at all. I, I remember she had a talk with me around Christmas time when I went to kindergarten. And she's like, hey, the kids – like I was familiar with who Santa Claus was, but I was never told it was real. It was always a pretend story. Mm-hmm. And But my mom – I remember her telling me, going like, look, there's kids at your school who believe that Santa Claus is real and we don't believe that, but it's not your place to tell them that it's fake. Just, right. just, just smile and nod or whatever when they start talking about it. <laughs> and then later on when we got older, I, none of us ever believed it, but we started getting gifts from – uh, Santa Claus, but it would. But what's funny is in parentheses it would say it would say Santa Claus. That in parentheses, mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> Which Not was, giving the fat was, man any credit. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was just very. I don't know. We, but that was a, that was a an interesting thing too. Did you guys do uh, Santa Claus, Rollo, and Slappy? Did you guys do that when you were a kid? Oh yeah, yeah, we did. My mom apologized for it. I never really got an apology. And she's like, "Well, I feel bad that you know we lied to you." And I'm like, "It's if, if you're going to tell a kid a lie, I think you're allowed that one. Like, yeah, you don't have to apologize. There was no ill will over that." Oh man, like I have like an existential crisis about it every year because my daughter's four, and like to me, like Christmas is a religious holiday, and I'm like a like a staunch atheist, and like. I don't begrudge keeping Christ in Christmas. Like I don't have a problem with that. Like, and I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like it's a, it's a great holiday for those people who believe. And my wife is also not religious, but you know, maybe agnostic at like best. And it's like, she's super into Christmas and she's like, well, there's other aspects to it. And I'm like, yeah, not in our culture. <laughs> like they're trying to make it that way. But I like my best friend who isn't my wife 
is Jacob, who's super religious. I'm like, yeah, this is their holiday. Like, just let them have it. Like, we've got her birthday. We could do New Year's. Like, you know, we don't have to do May Day. We don't have to make up something <laughs> like, like communist style. But so like to me, like my, my daughter is like pumped for Santa. And like today, like, like I had gone out and like got her a book the other day at the like used record store because I was looking for a record for my wife that had just come out that she didn't like my wife never looks things up ahead of time and it's like, oh, it just came out. And I'm like, oh, I'll try to go get it. <laughs> and like, so I, I got my daughter this book. So like I wrapped it and I wrapped this thing for my wife. But like my daughter is just so pumped for Santa. And I'm just like, imagine her going like, you lied about this. Because, <laughs> like, you know, for me, it, it's like when she figures out, it's like, so it's like, it's not that I don't like Christmas. I just don't like, again, because to me, it's a religious holiday. Like it's a big deal for people who are religious and like an important thing. And for me, it's like, okay, I buy what I need when I need it. And I give my daughter what she needs when she needs it. So, and I've, you know, Jacob, I've got a small house. So it's like, yeah, perfect opportunity for everybody to give her crappy gifts like half the time. Cause it's like not a well-made gift. And it's like, and it's not like, you know, so like somebody hadn't like homemade the gift. It's like, here's your 14th Barbie. Hope it's memorable. <laughs> like, as opposed to like, Hey, here's this handmade gift or like, uh, for her birthday, our other friend named Jacob bought her, her first guitar, like a little oh, three string right. kids guitar that. that has like lessons and ways to teach children to play guitar. Like no one's getting her gifts like that for Christmas besides like my wife and I. So every other one, it's like, Oh yeah, here's another stuffed animal. She has like 43 on her bed right now. <laughs> like, you know, it's just, yeah, I, it's like, yeah, so I, I just imagine her being so angry with me for the rest of her life. You lied about Santa. You said you'd never lie. My, well, my brother. Oh, go, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, my, my brother and sister-in-law have given, given us the, uh, the speech about like, please do not buy them. Jo- like, yeah, it's kind of a weird conversation to have, but I understand like, they they get so many gifts for them, especially for like birthdays and stuff. And it's just a lot of just like steep, cheap, stupid plastic stuff that, mm-hmm. you know, someone's like, oh, I'm going over to this birthday party. So let me uh, stop off at Toys R Us and get this uh, action figure that they're going to have 18,000 of. Yeah. So, and then, and, then yeah. and that's when and that's when they, they ask you that. And then you sit them down and go, well, you realize if we had Bitcoin, they wouldn't get shitty toys. <laughs> Well, yeah, but also for for birthdays, I give them Bitcoin. Right. Birth, well, that's birthday and uh, religious uh, things like baptisms or first communions. I give them, I give them Bitcoin. Christmas, I give them toys, uh, but I try to make it so that it's like something that is not just junk and something that's like a you know like a a, a toy that's fun, but also like I bought the I forget where I I heard it from, but. Uh, I bought them last year, like a mechanical computer. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's kind of like, cool. You can you can program it with like dropping these uh like marbles on this thing, and you put different like wheels and things in there so that it, you can you can make it like add and multiply and subtract and stuff by by all the circuitry that a computer does. When you break it down into you know the really basic things that it does, it's it's also mechanical. Yeah. Uh and so it's yeah. the mechanical version of it. Well, that's um, a great that's a great way to learn like the basics of uh, right. 
programming and yeah, math. yeah, just basic math. Yeah, like mm-hmm. yeah, like there's a there's a toy brand called Fat Brain Toys, and it's all like wood stuff, and it's all super well thought out. And like one of our friends always gets our daughter something for that for like her birthday, and it's awesome. It's always yeah. like super fun. That does sound pretty. Cool. And that sounds like something they would do. Yeah, and those are also the toys that don't just get like thrown in the toy bin that never get played with. Those are the ones that they're tend to tend to have some staying power. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure that our parents probably thought this about our generation as well. But like when I look at my nieces and nephews, like stock of toys, I'm just like, how on earth do you have this much? And and I like, I did have toys, but like I had a lot of GI Joes and I had a lot of Legos and Mm -hmm. that's basically it was, it was just, like I had my things. So I liked GI Joes and I liked Legos and those were kind of my main things. And, and I did have a couple of other things too, but uh, toys were expensive. We just, we didn't, we didn't get them all the time. Uh, but now could, like when I, what's that? I was going to say, I imagine talking to your mom and being like, yeah, we tried getting him other things. And every time we did, he just freaked out. So we just, <laughs> <only did things. laughs> yeah. I, I was very, very into Legos and GI Joes. Those are, those are like, that was my, uh, and and uh, Transformers for a while. I had uh, when Beast Wars came out. I, Ooh, I had a lot of the Beast, Beast Wars, Wars toys, but those were expensive. Those were, they were. Uh, yeah. They, they they. I didn't have very many of those, but um, I would I would argue that there's no better toy than Legos. Legos are great. Yeah. I mean, I even even to this day, I like playing with Legos. They're yeah. they're fun. <laughs> no, that's cool. Like I help my kid. Yeah, you know, my my kids get Lego sets every now and then, and I love putting them together still. Yeah. I was looking I, – I was at Target uh, with Victoria the other day, and we uh, – I just wanted to go look and I actually wanted to go look at the Marvel action figures because there was a new set that came out that I'm not going to buy. I just wanted to see how close to the old ones it looked like, and um, I went through the Lego section. I don't remember Legos being as expensive as they are. There was like a small Star Wars set that was like 50 bucks. Yeah, they're crazy. Yeah. So well, they always – I think they always were expensive. They were always expensive, but like the – like they've been – They've gotten more expensive because most of them are like um, branded. Because like oh, that's, that makes sense, that's my biggest complaint about Legos is is always like there's they they started actually having to come out with like classic Lego sets where it was just like here's the like this little goofy world like Lego world as opposed to Star Wars or Marvel yeah. or whatever. But like I will like go not go to head to head, but like I will always say like connects over legos only because as a kid you could build something with connects that was like three feet tall in like five minutes and with legos you're like i put them all together and i i only got a foot and a half (laughs) (laughs) well i think we can all agree though that the most inferior the inferior yeah Yeah. most inferior of those types of toys is playmobile Uh, i was gonna say duplo Yeah, Duplo is just <laughs> yes. satanic. <laughs> I hate them. Yeah, they so are the worst. Like up at up in a uh, up in a uh, like. So I, my friend's family, like his dad was born in Boston, and his family had a ca- like a, a cabin in New Hampshire, and there was like a five and below, which like I did, like I knew dollar stores as a kid, but I never knew about like this five and below thing. And it wasn't like Duplo. It was some other brand of fake Legos that they had there one time. That went down. And they yeah, were like, always the disappointment. Hey, you want to play with Legos? Yeah, yeah. And then they bring them out in their Dupo blocks. It's, like, dollar, it's yeah. like some someone sending you Bitcoin cash instead of Bitcoin. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, I, we're getting, I think it's even worse than that. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're getting, I would agree. 
We're getting close to the end of the hour, and I've got I've got a heart out here in a in about fifteen minutes. Uh, so, the last question to end everything and put it onto a sour note is: What do you expect is going to be different this year? It could be just in your personal life or in general, because I know you, you guys are up in uh, the Northeast, so we're not 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 Northeast. What 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 is Pennsylvania? Central Atlantic, Mid Atlantic, Mid Atlantic. Um, what do you guys see changing about Christmas this year? And do you think that this is gonna? These are gonna be like permanent changes uh, that basically change the American Christmas culture for all time. <laughs> I don't think there's gonna be that much different in my life, at least. I mean, my family's still gonna get together and and do of our normal things, uh, so that won't be different. I think the biggest difference is that I'll see is that uh, I mass won't be as utterly crowded as it has been. Okay. <laughs> Every, yeah, that, that you get all sense. what we call the creasters that just yeah, come right. for, uh, <laughs> Christmas and Easter. Right. What about, what about you slappy? Yeah, for me, I think, um, well, what we do as, as we gotten now that like we're old and have kids. Um, so on Christmas Eve, we always go to my in-laws and then Christmas day, uh, we go down to my parents, um, but with the family, uh, some people have different opinions and ways of handling COVID than others do. And so I know we're all not going to be together this year, which kind of sucks. Um, so, you know, I don't know what it's going to be like. I, <laughs> it'll be interesting, I think. It'll definitely be different. And uh, usually my, my in-laws take the kids, like, for, for Christmas every year, they've gotten them something like uh, tickets to a museum or the aquarium, or they do something and they like to take the kids somewhere. So I don't know if they'll be able to do something like that this year. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, on, on the other side of the family, uh, we'll, we'll all get together. But again, like there won't be as many of my cousins Um of course, we're all getting older too, but we still usually get together for Christmas and there won't, everyone won't be there this year. And uh, so I don't know. I hope that it's not any permanent changes. That is a nightmare to think about, but uh, it's kind of seeming like it could be. Um, so I don't know. What do you guys think? How, how do you think it's going to change going forward? Uh, Mason, you want to? Share your thoughts first. Well, I think I, I think people were saying like Thanksgiving was going to be the biggest civil disobedience like ever, like in this country. Um, and I think Christmas is we've kind of hit that point where it's going to be the biggest civil disobedience because it's a Friday. So there's yeah. a lot of people, like especially a lot of people who have been impacted work-wise, they, they may not be able to give their kids what they would have. Um, you know, financially, like they may mm -hmm. be impacted or like, maybe they're going to like, one of the things like I would like to do with my daughter this year. And I'm kind of thinking about it now is like, do like one of those angel trees or something because like my wife and I weren't impacted financially at all by COVID now. Like, I mean, logically, yes. With like the fact that the federal government spent like what, $7 trillion or some right. nonsense. Yes. Like, obviously I'm impacted that way, but like my my work never closed her. She works in home health. We never lost a day. Like, so like, I'd like to kind of try to teach my kid that like, 
hey, it's not all about getting stuff for you. There are other people who, through no fault of their own, didn't get anything this year or won't get anything this year if we don't try to help them. So, like, I think that's like a tradition. Like, because my wife and I did it one year and I really hated it because I couldn't see the kid enjoy it. Like, I would love to, like, give it to the kid. I'm like, where's his house? I'll go. I'll go give it to him. Like, I really wanted to do that. Mason Claus. What was that? There you go. Uh, well, Mason Claus, he said. Yeah, exactly. He said Mason, Mason yeah. Claus. <laughs> like, you know, to me, because, like, there was nothing, like, I wanted to, like, see the kid enjoy it and, like, you know, like, he wanted, like, a like a little race car and we got him a race car and it was, like, super cool. And I was like, I want to play with it. Like, I want to show him how to build a ramp and stuff and, like, you know, make the kid's day. So, like, yeah. For, like, but otherwise, like, I think my grandmother, like, my grandmother said, like, her, her, her doctor said, don't come out until Groundhog's Day, but like she did go over to my parents' house a bunch of times. So if she says like, she's not going to do anything with us again, I'm just going to be like, well, you're, you're 86 and insane. So, but like, right. other than that, like <laughs> from, you know, like my family, like, yeah, some of my aunts and uncles may not come down that may have come down or may not come up that may have done that. But most half my family lives on the West coast. So like they didn't come anyway. And like my aunts and uncles who, like could come may come because it's a, again, it's a Friday holiday, but like if my grandmother's telling people not to come, like that's the only reason they wouldn't come. But like in Virginia, like, I mean, you know, I keep thinking about like you guys up in, you know, Pennsylvania and stuff like that, where it's like, you know, you seem to have like, we like Jacob and I like to make fun of our, my governor a lot and, you know, call, call him governor blackface and stuff. Um, but like, he seems to have not been able to get away with the, completely insane dictatorial things like your governor has been doing. So I kind of look at you guys. I'm like, this is going to be one of the largest civil disobedience things ever. And I think personally, I think this will be kind of one of those years where a lot more people may try to attend a religious service than have in a long time. So like uh, maybe against what Rollo was thinking, like, I think a lot more people are going to be like, no, like we don't have anything. So maybe we'll go to church and, you know, maybe we'll kind of see that turn on this thing where it's like, yeah, we're going to possibly lose the Trump being a clown in the office and instead have a corpse and his weird puppet masters. So maybe, maybe people will show up to church. That's I interesting. So. That's an interesting thing. Yeah, I, never, I never thought about it that way. Um, and I'll tell you like, Rallo, I don't know what your feel is around here and you live a little more rural than I do, but there's not a whole lot of civil disobedience going on around me. No, it's driving me crazy, actually. Um, yeah, and we're we're pretty open here in in our part of Texas. Dallas is a little bit more uh, locked down, but we just kind of avoided Dallas County for a while. And um, we, to my like pleasant surprise, I guess when we went and got the tree we went to like four different places and of the four places, only one of them had a sign up that required masks and we don't put them on unless somebody asks. So, um, and nobody asked in three of the locations, the one location, when we came in, the guy said, Hey, you got to put your mask on. We went, okay. And then, uh, and that was, that was it. I mean, we put them in our pocket because if we're, you know, if we want to go there, but you know, I, I, I think it, it's, I think this is one of those things that's going to maybe increase the rural versus urban divide and the red versus blue divide. Uh, Cause I think that people who believe it um, that's not the right way to say it, I guess, but like people who 
like are following all the recommendations, like locking themselves up in their house and stuff like that are just going to be increasingly more miserable. And, uh, but they're going to, but it's like one of the, it's like sunk cost fallacy kind of thing where they're just like, well, you've just got to do it. Like, I mean, like what, um, president corpse as, uh, Mason was saying, (laughs) was saying the other day, he's like, I'm just asking for a hundred days of the mask, just a hundred days. When I get into office, that's what I'm going to put in 100 days. It's all I'm asking. It's like, yeah, but you guys, First said, what was it? 15 days was the first one. And then it was like until Easter. And then it was like no end inside. And and now you're relocking down. And so like, why would we believe that it's only a hundred days, but there's a significant percentage of the population who, you know, does. And, and my family is very divided on this. Not my immediate family. None of my sisters believe in this. Like they all actually, most of my sisters think it's a conspiracy theory, but, um, the the ones that are less conspiratorial are just kind of like eh, whatever like we're young we're not gonna i we know they know the the recovery statistics and stuff and they also realize that like the things that gives them joy in life require them not paying attention to these rules and um so but what i see kind of going forward is i think that uh you know not anybody's intention or whatever but i think the american people have kind of shown that they're willing to go along with this kind of thing. And going forward, I think the government's going to continue to try to do these types of things. So I think the ramifications for this is that Christmas will be different. But uh, I, I like what Mason was saying, though. That was a very white pill uh, response, I think, where that, you know, people are just going to ignore it. And and you know what? For uh, Thanksgiving, we ignored it here. I, we had a we had a Thanksgiving day. Well, we had a Friendsgiving uh, celebration on Saturday and I had many people over, but it's also, it's Texas. So it's a little bit different, but out in California where I'm from and where a lot of my family still lives, half my family was like, you guys are going to get grandma sick. And then the, uh, my extended family. And then like, even, even like in my cousin's family, my, my uncle, uh, Mark is very believe, believes in all this sort of stuff. And like his, like some of his sons are just like, shut up, dad, you're stupid. And the other (laughs) ones are like, (laughs) the other ones are like, no, he's, He's right. But then also his wife doesn't believe in it, but he does. So it's like, it's a very strange, wow. it's a very weird dynamic. So like very weird. people went over to my grandma's for Thanksgiving, but it was like half of families. Right. It was, it was very odd. And, um, and then like my sister, the, a couple of days before she's like, she, she thought she might have it. Cause some guy on her, um, she's a arborist some guy on her crew tested positive and was, was like legit sick according to her. Um, and, or, or he wanted the time off. She said it was one of the two, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, so she was like, well, I guess I have to quarantine because if I have it and I give it to grandma, who's in her, in her mid nineties and had a stroke recently and stuff like that. She's like, I, I would feel bad about that. And I've seen her recently. Like she had seen my grandma, like, you know, a week prior to that or something like that. Cause she lives in the area. So like it's it's those kind of weird things where like and, and even I feel this way a little bit to some degree is like I don't I do believe it's a real thing if I get sick I'm kind of like well I don't know what to do about this because I don't know what's real that's sort of the like I don't like a lot of the information is just lies but then there's also like it is I think serious but as serious as like the flu but maybe more serious than that for certain people. It's very weird. It's very, very weird situation. But yeah, that's, I mean, that, I guess that's my prediction is that um, I, I think I'll agree with Mason and say that people are just going to do it anyways and get together. But I do also see going forward at every single holiday, you know, the, the media is going to kind of sync up again and be like, 
you know, don't gather. We have a we have a high COVID alert time because I mean it's it's just like flu season where they're just going to be like every single it, well we're entering COVID season. I guess like some people got to stay home or whatever. Like, I don't I don't I, I'm not sure what to what else to say. I just that's that's my concern and but that's what I think it's going to be. I think it's just going to be that over and over again. Well, that's why I think Michael Malice's statement of the U.S.'s ideological self segregation is proceeding nicely. Like yeah. <laughs> there's going to be the people and like I. I don't ever like to make fun of suicide, but basically it's like the suicide of the West. It's like these people have literally decided that they're going to kill themselves and like doing all this stuff, no matter what it's like, Nope, we're, we're just going to be so down that we die. And I'm just like, well, Nope, I'm not. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I'm happy if people want to, if those kinds of people, want to self-isolate themselves from ever from the rest of the world. Yeah, more power to Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, if I, if, like I, I well go ahead, Mason. I was gonna say, like, I will go drive up and enjoy the Feast of the Seven Fishes with Rollo and family. Because yeah. that sounds awesome. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome to come up. I'll let you know when I'm when I'm gonna do it. Well like the problem is like my work doesn't close until probably it'll probably be late on Christmas Eve, but like if I manage to like be financially free, like I'm definitely coming up for like one of those sort of things. Like I got to get out of here, <laughs> like go do stuff. And it's like, yeah, I'll break the quarantine. I'm driving to Pennsylvania. I don't care. <laughs> like, pull me over. <laughs> well, I think on that note, that's a, that's a good uh, bright side as uh, Mason's going to the feast of seven fishes and we'll go ahead and wrap up. So do you guys want to do your plugs? <clears throat> Yeah, check us out at uh, mcflugel.com. We've got a weekly podcast. We record Monday nights and release Monday nights and then also have a have a blog. We've been doing it for uh, quite a while. And uh, also check, check out libertymugs.com where uh, we sell libertarian and Bitcoin-themed mugs. And both on uh, Twitter, I'm Rollo McFlugel. And I guess, Slappy, you can say what you are. Yeah, uh, I think I, I don't even know my handle. I think it's at Slappy underscore Jones underscore two. Uh, I can tell everybody. Hang on a second. I've got it pulled yeah. up right here. It is at Slappy underscore Jones underscore two. That is correct. Yeah, because I always type it in incorrectly, so I use the email address to log into Twitter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you can find me there. I'm sometimes active, sometimes not so much, but definitely check out the show if you're looking for more stuff to listen to. All right. Well, that sounds good. Mason, we'll do the plugs at the end of the Christmas episode yes. so we can skip those for now. Uh, thanks yeah. for joining us, guys. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thank great. you. Thanks for having us. Yeah.